Hello everyone, happy 2023 to, to you all. And as the Penguins ended 2022 on a sour note, they have started 2023 on an even sour note with a two to one loss to the Boston Bruins. The losing streak now hits five. It looked like they were going to get at least a point, if not two from this game until they gave up a tying goal with 11 minutes left and then gave up the game winner with a little over two minutes remaining. And the Penguins will go home from the Winter Classic with no points as they will go to Vegas for the next game. So this is not getting any easier. In this episode, we're going to fully recap what went down for this 2-1 loss to the Bruins. What went wrong for the Penguins. We'll also get into things I liked about this game. How they could be getting closer to turning the corner again. And just overall what the general vibe with this team is right now. And just how I see it um, potentially changing going forward. So stick around for all that right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO. Arsenal Penguins, and of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Bruins 2, Penguins 1, sky is falling, the takes are hot. You could also say they're nuclear. Vibes are bad. Everything sucks um, is, I think, the big one in western Pennsylvania right now, where, of course, I have resided for the last month. And yeah, that, that's it. Thanks all for listening. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, things continue to go wrong for the Penguins today. They jump out to a early one nothing. Well, I shouldn't say early one nothing lead, but they jump out to a one nothing lead in the second period. They play well through most of the first 40 minutes. They're playing fine in the third period. The Bruins get a power play; they're able to kill it off. But just a few seconds after they tie it, several other minutes go by and they get two one. And the Penguins were a half second away from getting a buzzer beater goal to send the game to overtime. That, that is how close it was. If you watch the replay, if the Penguins have another half a second to a second, this game's going to OT. They were just that 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 short. Um, and, you know, just that's five in a row. They should have gotten at least a point out of this. When the clock dips, dips below three minutes, you have to make sure you get at least a point. I know the Penguins have not played well in three-on-three overtime this year. They haven't been the best in shootouts either. You still have to get at least a point in that situation, you cannot lose in regulation. Penguins failed with that, and they did lose in regulation. But where I think it went wrong for them is, you know, honestly, at the beginning, Mike Sullivan, very weird lineup choices. Those 11 forward, seven defensemen, something you hardly ever see him do. When was the last time you saw Mike Sullivan do 11 to 7? What, maybe in a playoff game last year, if I'm not mistaken, once before that? You got you got to go way back. He he hates doing it. I mean, I've even seen him. I think say to the media that he's not a big fan of it, but for some reason, decided to do it today. I made a point that Ryan Paling. I'm like, he came back last game. Is he hurt? It looked like that he wasn't hurt after the game, but then I think Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports, who is on site, that she did say that he did aggravate, or it sounds like he aggravated the injury. But still, Drew O'Connor is right there, and you're deciding to go 11 to seven. Great news that Chad Weedle is healthy to go, but you know, why are you going 11 to seven situation? Do you really not trust Drew Connor that much, especially after he just scored a goal just a few days ago? 
I mean, I, I really do not understand that. Um, it, at least in my opinion, um, you know, continuing to ice Brian Dumoulin top four minutes, that's a recipe for disaster. You saw that on the game winning goal. And yeah, you know, he kind of tripped a little bit. I think it was off David Krejci. Um, actually, no, it wasn't David Krejci. I think it was Jake DeBrusque. Excuse me. Um, but that's another goal against that he's on the ice floor in a big situation. Two and a half minutes left. Why are you icing him in that situation? Yet you're going to continue to not ice Kasperi Kapanen forward-wise, who has been really good. If you want to make an apples-to-apples apples comparison, because that could be apples-to-oranges, why is Brian Dumoulin getting more minutes than P.O. Joseph? I do not get it. You know, Mike Sullivan, I am going to keep saying this. He is not doing enough right now for this team. And it started right before the opening faceoff with the lineup. He is costing them points right now. I, and again, I've said this so many times on my episodes. You all, if you all have been listening to my podcast for even the last week, two weeks, a month, year two, two, three years. If you've been a long time listener like that, you know, shout out to you, but shout out to, of course, to everyone that listens to the show, but I'm always a huge fan of Mike Sullivan. There's not five coaches in this league better, but when you are actively causing your team to lose points because of your decisions, you need to be looked at a little more closely. I don't think he should be fired. Now, can you question him? Absolutely. Because I am doing that right now. There is no reason to play 11-7 in that situation, especially when Chadwell Weedle is healthy. If you want to play Chadwell Weedle, then just go scratch a defenseman <clears throat> like Brian Dumoulin. Drew O'Connor is right there. He's a healthy player, young player. He just scored a goal for you last week. Play him. See what you have. He's an unknown because you won't play him. Chadwell Weedle, perfect number six, number seven defenseman. Mark Freeman has been the same. Ty Smith has been mine in the last two games. You have a healthy defensive core right now because Chad Riedel is already back. So you easily could have just gone 12-6 and scratched Dumoulin because Freeman can play on his offside. You can literally have a left side right now of Pedersen, Friedman, and Ty Smith. Chad Riedel plays on the right side, obviously. Jan Ruta can play over there. POJ, you know, he, he has, it, it, it's not, you know, his, you know, his, his offside, it is his offside, excuse me, but you know, he I'm sure he can play it if he be heck Ty Smith can play on the right side as well. You have six healthy defensemen. You can scratch Dumoulin if you want to. So I, I just don't understand the lineup decisions. And again, you know, just the, the in-game management. Stop playing players who have been a detriment to the team in late game situations where you're trying to at least secure a point. Um, I don't know what it is. It might be a combination of, you know, stubbornness, loyalty to a fault, not understanding what the main issues are for this team. I don't know if it's one. I don't know if it's all three together, but something has to change with these lineups. You can't just keep sending these same bad players out there and expecting different results. You want to know what the definition of that is? It's a definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That is what we are seeing right now with Mike Sullivan. And I wish he was pressed a lot more about this after games. I'm not seeing it enough right now. I think it's kind of unacceptable, to be honest. I mean, again, if I were down there in the locker room, I, I would I'd be try I would be trying to get that information for you all. But you know, right now, at least I'm, I'm not. 
So I, I just have to come on here and talk about it. But, you know, it's it's not good enough. You on, on Even on the game tying goal, who else is on the ice? Jeff Carter, right after a penalty kill. He got dusted by Brad Marchand. And I understand Brad Marchand is one of the top 15 best players of the game. You maybe even make an argument for top 10. I have him at top 15 because he's just, you know, say what you want about the guy. He's very talented. He makes a lot of people look bad. Look like Carter didn't even try on that one. And then Jake DeBrus, a nice wraparound goal there. But still, you know, it's the same players being on the ice for goals against. And, you know, Mike Sullivan, he has, you know, he has the final say on who goes out there. He he can deploy whoever he wants. He's the same coach who keeps benching Gasperi Kapanen, even though he's producing. Literally today he scored right after he barely gets any minutes. I understand, you know, that he's playing on a like a makeshift third or fourth line. That's not acceptable to me. He's been one of your better players the last two weeks. And yeah, we've harped on him a lot this year, but at least he's actually scoring and producing. He's not being a black hole on the defensive side of the rink. So I just think a lot of decisions right now that Mike Sullivan is making just make no sense. They're wild. That's what I think the best word to describe it is. They're wild. And it's it's not like him. I don't know if you know the real Mike Sullivan just vanished into an existence, went to a tropical island, and is just chilling there, and is replaced by a fake Mike Sullivan. But I think the real Mike Sullivan out there, he's making some weird decisions. I don't know what changed, but they need more from him right now. And I'm going to end my first segment with that. Coming up in the second segment, we are going to get into some things that I actually did like about this game and how I think the Penguins can build off them going into the game against Vegas. But before I get to that, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I start taking athletic greens because, you know, I don't really like taking pills and items in the morning. I wanted to see what also the hype was about because I've had a lot of friends say that, that it's good. So you're wondering probably what is this stuff? So with one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole foods or superfoods to help you start your day right. The special vitamin ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar. It also supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports the mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. It also costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's also recommended by professional athletes and it's trusted by leading medical health experts. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Eleanor Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, honestly, performance-wise, I think this was mostly fine for the Penguins. I thought they dominated the Bruins in the opening frame. Um, they gave them next to nothing, scoring chance-wise. First half of the second period, the Penguins get the goal. Really nice job by Kasperi Kapanen to get that goal again. He has been awesome the last week or two. Playing, I think, some of his finest hockey 
as a penguin. He's been producing a bit more. Got a six goal of the season. Really nice pass. I believe it was from Danton Heinen behind the net. First good play I think I've seen him make since Nam. Second half of the period, Bruins start to take over a little bit. That's hockey, though. You still have a one nothing league going in the, in the second intermission. Most of the third period, the first half, I liked what I was seeing. I know they were trying to, quote-unquote, defend the lead. They took that penalty from Brian Dumoulin because, of course, he took that penalty. Bruins score. After that, they had a couple decent chances. The Penguins really were kind of trying to play low-event hockey. It looked like they were trying to just settle for the point. And that's what happens when you get the 2-1 to lead. And then the Penguins were not able uh, to tie the game. That said, numbers-wise, Penguins led 48-47 in terms of shot attempts. Scoring chances were dead even. Bruins, though, did have 13 high-danger chances compared to 5 for the Penguins. Uh, the Bruins actually had 11 high danger chances in the previous two in the last two periods. The Penguins only had two, so the third period was definitely not the greatest for the Penguins. They were just definitely trying to defend that lead. And then, in terms of expected goals, uh, the Bruins had 57.5 percent of those, 42 percent for the Penguins. So, you know, in the in the latter half of the game, the Penguins kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit, but. It came down to again to another 50-50, and the Penguins just keep losing those at this point. You know, you you say heads or tails. It you know, if you want to have an example, it just keeps being heads, for example, um, every time. It also doesn't help that Linus Allmark has been one of the best goaltenders in the league this year. 963 save percentage um for this game. He was also he had a couple of 10 bell saves uh for the Bruins, especially in that first period. I thought the Penguins were really buzzing. That Brock begin chance, if I recall correctly, he came streaking down really nice pass from Teddy Bluger. To get it over to him, goes off the shoulder. Jake Gensel hits a post. He's closing in on trying to snap out of this funk. You know, they had plenty of chances in those first couple of periods. That, you know, it could have easily been a two or three nothing lead. I'm heading into um, the third period, but you know, they, they were keeping things simple. They were forechecking aggressively. They weren't giving the Bruins anything um, offensive zone wise. You know, in the first period, the Penguins had 57.5 percent of the shot attempts. They had. Uh, 56% of the scoring chances, 60% of the high danger chances, 67% of the expected goals. Even in the second period, the Penguins led in shot attempts. They led in scoring chances. High danger, they were a little behind. Expected goals, they were a bit behind. But still, you know, the numbers, you know, they, they were decent. It was just after that, the Bruins really took over. And all the good that the Penguins did went away. Obviously, Tristan Jari got hurt. That's not good. It's a lower body injury. Well, I'm sure Mike Sutherland have an, uh, an update. Soon, but really liked Casey Despis' performance. He made some nice saves coming in cold for the starter. The two goals that he allowed were not his fault, not even close. I, I don't really think he can do much differently. Maybe if you want to nitpick a little, he shouldn't have gone for the poke check on the first take to Bruscoe. But I mean, he made it. He tried to make a play on it. It was a better play by um, Debrus. The second goal, no, no, no goalie is going to stop him. Hangman just need to play better defensively. I think in their own zone, you know, he made the saves that he needed to, but you know, he just out, I got out um, by Linus. Oh my God. I thought Sid and Jake were a bit better. I, I think they're closing in on, on snapping out of this little funk that they're in, especially Gensel. He had a couple of prime chances. One, of course, that hit the post. Sid, I thought he dazzled a few times still not good enough right now, but I, I'm seeing some flashes. You know, I know they reunited the Gensel Crosby rust line. I was fine if I, oh, excuse me. No, they, I mean, yeah, yeah, they did because they moved Raquel down. I was kind of fine with it because, you know, they're changing something. I would maybe look to move Gensel off Crosby's wing for a little bit to see if he can get something going with Malkin. Maybe you move Sucker up with Crosby. They've had very good numbers in the past. You know, shot attempts like well above 60% Corsi, uh, scoring chances well above 60% as well. You know, they, they can play 
together. On defensively, outside of Dumoulin, I thought POJ played well. thought Ty Smith was fine. Though, I kind of do not want to see Ty Smith running a, a, a power play, of the top power play unit, until Latang comes back. I would just put POJ back up there. Um, at this point, I thought Mark Freeman had a strong game. Uh, Trevor Beadle was fine um, coming in for relief. Um, but, you know, it's just... They play well in these these long spurts, you know. And this losing streak, it's it's funny. It's similar to the seven game losing streak, but it's also not because you know the similar way is they're in these losses, right? They're not getting blown off the rank. Think about it. All these losses, self inflicted wounds. I know they're not holding leads like they used to. Right? This is they're allergic to it. Spoil. But you know. They're playing well for long stretches of these games. It's just one simple mistake. Boom. It snowballs. But they've gotten decent goaltending for the most part. They're getting the scoring for the most part. They're winning a lot of the underlying battles. It's just, you know, a combination of some bad bounces, some bad decisions deployment-wise, and bad things go their way, and then it snowballs into other things. Because during these five games, Penguins easily could have won this game. Could have won, should have won the game against the Red Wings. Should have won the game against Carolina. Three of those five. The only really bad one was the game against the Islanders where they just got blown off the rank. The Devils game, they could have easily won. They had a, a, a one-goal lead with, late in the second period. Who knows if that what happens going into the third there. But, you know, they've played well enough to win at least, what, three or four of those games. It's just the, thing, the stuff is not going their way. The power play has been really bad as of late. And... You know, th- th- this is what you get. But again, I-, I I see things that I like. You know, they they when they play simple hockey, they're a tough team to beat. And you saw that for the first two periods of this game against the Boston Bruins, they weren't giving them much. It was when they went away from the, the third period and when they start to turtle a little bit, and when they try to just you know protect that one goal lead and not go to get a second or a third goal. You know, things kind of just you know, not go their way. And even the four goal lead against the Red Wings, they start turtling a little bit and just playing a little bit loose and all that stuff. You know, you got to keep your foot on the gas pedal. I think that's also been a big thing for the Penguins as for why they've struggled as of late. So want to touch on those things for the second segment. Coming up in the final segment, I'm going to get into just my overall thoughts moving forward. You know, how concerned am I about this team and all that. So stick around about that uh, coming up in uh, this final segment. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Lockdown Penguins Podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So five in a row, it's not good. This is their second long losing streak of the season. They've been very, you know, we'll reference for you all. Very Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You all know where that's from, of course. 4-0-1 to start the season. Things are great. After that, you get a 70 losing streak. After that 15 and 3 and 2, they're tearing up the lead. Cup runs back on, baby. This is the real version of the Penguins. And then you get an 0 and 3 and 2 shreds like this, where things are just snowballing again. But they're, you know, they're getting leans, but they're not closing games out when they should. You know, two of these losses, they've had leads with less than five minutes remaining in the third period, not been able to win. You know, those two games go differently there. Um, you know, I think we're speaking a much different tune. Right now, and now you have everyone saying, "Fire this guy! Fire this guy! You know, trade this guy! All all this stuff." 
and it's 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 not a pleasant experience. This is probably the most chaotic season I've I've, I've had covering this team, to be honest. But that said, how I feel about this team, I don't think this is a true indicator of who this team is. I think this is a rough stretch for the Penguins. I don't think this defines them overall. And I do think eventually, potentially later this week, you're going to see them bounce back. Do I think they're going to miss the playoffs at the end of the season? No. Is the Eastern Conference a lot tighter this season? Yes. But you're starting to see some of these teams break away um, from the other teams. I can go to the standings right now. And I understand the Penguins right now in that final playoff spot. But you think about this, right? You know, the Panthers are really struggling. They're eight points out. The Senators are seven points out. Sabres, six points out. That's still a lot with half a season left. The Red Wings are five points out. But the Islanders, you know, they got blown out the other night. So they're tied with them right now. But, you know, it's honestly looking like right now a nine-team race for eight spots. And honestly, for the Metro, I would say it's probably going to be a five, a six-team race for five spots. Do Again, do I think the Penguins make the playoffs at the end of this season? Yes, they are too talented to not to. Do they need to make some uh, roster decisions before then to make sure that they can start getting more points? Yes, that means scratching Brian Dumoulin, having that long, hard talk with him to get him out of the lineup. They've already moved Carter to wing. That is good. The positives have been, yeah, if you can call it so-so. Um, he was all nice for another goal tonight. I would scratch him all together, but I'm not the coach. Um, it doesn't help that the Penguins are down their top two right-handed defensive right now, and with Chris Lang and Jeff Petrie, and you know my condolences go out to the Tang family and his friends. His dad passed away um, yesterday, so he is back in Montreal with him. He's also banged up right now. Petrie is back practicing with the team. He was practicing before the Winter Classic, so I think his return is not far off. Maybe in a week or two, which is good. But again, I think a lot of the mistakes right now that you're seeing are fixable. Holding on to leads. It's just, it's just playing smarter, disciplined hockey. It's deployment-wise. Not icing your bad players in big-time situations. So, you know, you, you, you can put out younger, faster, better players who are better at protecting leads at this stage and in the stages of their careers. That, I think, is a big one. Yeah, I just said smarter, disciplined hockey. You know, not turtling. Looking for that extra goal when they need it. You know, I've seen the process there these last five games. And, and they, again, they easily could have won two, three of those games, but you know, you can't change the past. We have to look at what's going on right now. And at, at the end of the day, I do think this team is going to be okay. You know, maybe you can call me an optimist, say I'm too positive, but you know, we've, we've seen it in most of their games this season. I th- I would say in more games How do I want to say this? I want to make sure this comes out right. In more games than not, they have played like an actual good team. Yeah, have the losses been bad? Sure. But even in some of those losses, they played well enough to win. It's just limiting the mistakes, watching the deployment, making sure the goaltending is decent, making sure the power play doesn't have some of these long dry spells where they just go games without scoring, especially after it was just on a hot streak. And also helps with getting some guys back. So I do think the team is going to be okay. I would like to see some changes. I want Mike Sullivan to start taking this a little more seriously because I don't think he is right now. I think he's just coasting along thinking, you know, maybe nothing is wrong or something. But, you know, 
he needs to change some things up. And when that happens, hopefully, hopefully, you will start to see this team string together some wins. And hopefully the general manager and the president of hockey operations will go out there and you know start scouring the trade market because um this is this right now, this is not okay. It's unacceptable to be playing like this to start the new year, especially after they just had such a great hot streak. So it's up to the players in that room to play better. It's on the head coach to make sure he's getting more out of the team and making sure that he is making better in-game decisions to help his team come out on top. And I'm hopeful that all that will happen. So again, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Locked Up Penguins podcast. That wraps up just my little monologue about the team overall, how I feel just because, you know, the process has been there. The numbers are very good. The goaltending for the most part has been fine this year. Their five-on-five numbers are good. Need a bit little a little upgrade in the bottom six. You need to play smarter defensively. But again, I think a lot of these things are fixable in-house. What's not fixable in-house is, of course, the office going out and getting a player or two from a different team, which, you know, that could happen at any point. But again, thank you all so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Tuesday. I will talk to you all.